It's Samantha LaDuke, founder of LaDukeTrading.com, and I am very excited on this Macro to Micro Power Hour Thursday to bring in a VIX specialist and educator. So this is just for a little housekeeping before we bring Russell in to uh, dig into his analysis and also really good um, education on how volatility works, among other things, option uh, structure. I do this every Tuesday and Thursday, so thank you for joining. It is, again, Macro to Micro Power Hour. Um, I've got sign-up, obviously, on the website. If you follow me on Twitter, there are announcements there as well. And it's also on my YouTube station, uh, you, which is Leduc Trading, uh, YouTube channel. It's kind of straightforward. But that's where I'm going to post this when we're done. So let me just show you real quick. When you're done, definitely feel free to catch this uh, channel and I will post it right here macro to micro power hour it's right above my trading insights and presentations and the like and without further ado Russell I have been a fan of yours and followed you for years um you are just this calming voice you have really um, by the way my mother you know was was a teacher she's right retired now okay. I did my little stint of, of teaching I don't have the patience for it but you oh. are such an excellent teacher, besides all your volatility expertise. But I follow you on your the EQ derivatives now. You used to be with CBOE. And mm -hmm. when I want to know what the heck is going on um, in options and volatility, I definitely just, okay, what does Russell have to say? Mm -hmm. And what prompted this, of course, was just because I want to get you on the show and the recent VIX uh, call spread that you talked about in one of your YouTube videos. I'm like, uh-huh, we have to talk about that because I spied that on April 8th, made mention of it to clients, and then just recently on Monday, I said, this is the time. I think it's time we actually put on some hedges here. In the past, they've only cost money, but it looks like a good idea. So um, it's, starting to, uh, it's starting to play out. So give a little background on you, please, and I will stop oh. sharing. Forgive me, I forgot I had that little puppy on. Sure. No. Um, so as you mentioned, I, I was with SIBO for about uh, 10 years. I joined SIBO in the Options Institute in 2009, which uh, at the time, VIX was really, for lack of a better way to put it, becoming a thing. Uh, we had just had the launch of VXX and uh, we were just coming out of the great financial crisis. Uh, none of the other instructors were really paying that much attention to VIX, probably because it really hadn't traded that much uh, leading up until, you know, leading up and up to the great financial crisis. So I just kind of took that on myself and, and started talking about it. We started a social media effort at SIBO uh, where I would blog about what VIX had done every week and point out, uh, you know, when you work at an exchange, you, you kind of have to tread lightly about making recommendations, but I could talk about block trades. And I've continued to do that to this day. And you mentioned that I uh, talked about that big, um, you know, the, the big block trade using, I believe, the June options. July um, week four. Or, oh, the July week four. That's right. The July options. I'm looking at a bunch of different VIX trades at once. Um, but that one kind of sparked my interest with respect to um, possibly, you know, and, and, and you're talking about somebody else's trade after it's hit the tape is real easy. And I have no idea what, what else is going on in these people's portfolio. 
But the one thing that you always got to keep in mind with VIX is if you're, it, it takes a big market sell-off to get a spike out of VIX and they're going to need a spike for that trade. Um, but you only really get the spike in the front month future and the options are impacted. The options basically are priced off of the front month future. So that trade just, if I were going to do something like that and I were looking for a spike between now and July, I actually would would have, you know, I would have traded the May options at this point. That's the front month now with the intent of, of rolling that thing over at some point. Yep. So why, uh, and, and by the way, I, I literally captured that in my live trading room when it hit. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it is now 250,000 contracts, you know, each. Oh, so I it had a know. lot of people that basically saw it and then piled on. So if you go okay. now to open interest, I should say it's at least 250K um, each strike. So for me, that's, you know, option traders are kind of looking for um, the aggressiveness, if you will, in, in the direction and clearly started percolating up um, in the past few weeks. But yeah, I was really mm -hmm. curious, first of all, who put it on, of course, always, and why mm -hmm. so far out there? It's a great, uh, by the way, I love the strikes. And I love mm -hmm. the risk return. Um, I think I wrote, it's like spend $2 to make 15 kind of thing. Yeah, but the, the problem is you want to switch screens for a second. Yeah. Um, here's, here's kind of the issue. And it's not a chart of, um, of the showing the July contract. But I mean, look at, um, you see where it says VIX in the three months. Mm -hmm. three, so right around here. But I'm always trying to find the little spot so everybody looks where I'm looking. You can see right around here, um, it, the the spot VIX moved from you know, and this was February, uh, moved from um, uh, about 26 or so up to about 36 very quickly. Well, look at what the front three month futures did. And when this trade that we're talking about right now was put on, um, it would be the equivalent of the May contract. So it's very possible that VIX could run up to 40 uh -huh. right now, today, and this trade hardly budges because there's this lack of sensitivity to spot VIX from the futures until you get very, very close to expiration. And this other slide really shows that well. Uh, this is taking VIX futures going back to 2007, and this is uh, something that we I updated after I saw this trade uh, that shows what's the what what basically what's the beta for a VIX future relative to spot VIX based on the time left to expiration, and when that trade was put on, it was way over here around the seventy day or so to uh, expiration for the July contracts. Yep. So again, let's just you know take the high end there. The beta is point three. If you get in, and I believe spot VIX was around 20-ish or so, just to make the math easy on me, um, if spot VIX ran up to 40, um, you know, maybe we get a, you know, a seven or eight point move out of, um, you know, out of the, uh, out of, out of the July future, which then translates into uh, not as much of a move as you would hope for out of the, uh, out of that spread trade. And then interesting. Okay, so yeah. until it's held really, really close to that expiration, and then right. it will free out, free up the bears, so to speak, assuming it happens near that expiration. So well, why in, do you think? Mm -hmm. Well, first, I I know what your next question is going to be is why do you think they did it? I got yes. no idea. But just the the one thing that, that say they had a hedge. <laughs> um, well, 
No, what, I mean, it was a $40 wait, million if, dollar or something, some odd, no, you know, figure. You got to figure there's somewhat, that, that they that there's something behind it that we don't know. Yeah. That's, okay. that's what I assume. But, you know, if you are worried about the stock market between now and the third Friday in July, you would take a look at the SPX July puts because yes. that matches up to your time frame. And then you figure out, you know, what, how much you're willing to spend and all of that. With VIX, if you're expecting a VIX spike over the next few months, uh, what you really need to do is look at the type of trades that you can put on that you can continuously roll. And you can remember we had, you know, we, we've had uh, 50 cent who will buy some, and then they may, they may roll out to the next 50 cent options. We had a really interesting ratio spread that was out there for some time that loved finally that. cashed in. Yeah, and I loved that one. I actually prefer um, financed call spreads in VIX, mm -hmm. selling the put and buying a call spread. I think, and, and I'm kind of surprised that that wasn't done with this one. I looked. I looked yeah. today. Oh. The following day, I kept looking. <laughs> No, I've been I, I've been doing the exact same thing, um, okay. and so if we both missed it, it didn't happen. <laughs> um, so, and and I did put this together, just one last little chart uh, that shows uh, the profits over time if the future is at forty. So even if, if the future ran up to forty the day after they put this trade on, I mean they'd make about a six point profit off of it. Okay. I think what was the cost to $2. something. Two dollars, so with potential to make fifteen. With the potential to make fifteen, well, um, it costs two dollars with the potential to make thirteen. Yes, to make which is right there at expiration. But again, I I just would have done something that involved a continuous roll, unless they really think and and you can see some things in the VIX curve that makes it look like there's more concern for this summer than maybe going into the fall. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like another part of that is um, VIX could be at, you know, 14 in mid June when July becomes the front month. And at that time, if you wanted to get similar potential VIX spike exposure, you'd be looking at, you know, maybe the, the 2035 or maybe do even better strike wise than, than they did on this trade. Uh, so I know, I, I, and 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 I always, you know, cringe a little bit when I see other people criticizing, uh, you know, trades that are put out there because it's real easy to criticize other people's work. I think you and I probably, from being in the been to it sphere, know that for sure. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of let stones. it kind of let it roll off my back, uh, and I'm not again. I, I I don't want it to sound like I'm you know discounting this trade at all. Um, I just, and I assume that they did the kind of thinking behind it that I'm talking about right now. I just feel like if somebody expects a big spike over the next two to three months, there are alternatives that maybe they should take into account as opposed to this one trade uh, that you pointed out. It looks like some other people have been um, following them into. So, yeah, I think that there has been some um, piling on. What about just your suggested trade uh, tactic then? Using spy options, you know, I know we're going to talk about small caps for sure, because I have mm -hmm. this, you know, rotation theme that's been in, in, in play since August. So I definitely mm -hmm. want to want to talk about small caps. But um, relative to spy, what, you know, when you go here, um, what are you tracking in regards to spy options to find out how aggressive they are in hedging? 
Oh, um, oh, most definitely looking at the uh, the various uh, looking at the skew in addition to uh, what's going on with volatility and not necessarily, and here's a, a 5% out of the money call versus put skew, which is a little bit differently than, than most people do it. Uh, but when we're at lower levels, it means people are paying up for the puts relative to the calls. Uh, I did this because I was demonstrating why it seemed like call activity was driving some certain market trends, but that I'll, I'll start to look at the, uh, you know, how aggressively are are they, whoever they are, uh, bidding up for put options, especially in instances where we're not seeing a sell-off in the overall market, where maybe you start to see uh, this line start to work its way lower, even though VIX was working lower, which we have seen up until, this is through the end of March, um, have seen through the most recent market activity. Uh, so that's for as far as a tell goes. That's generally what I'm I'm taking a look at uh, is you know where are the puts relative to the calls, where are the puts relative to VIX as well, but not just where are the puts relative to themselves. So how does that look now for small caps? Uh, for small caps, we were I, I'm jumping from presentation to presentation here. That's all right, but, but where's my and if anyone has any questions on this, definitely yeah. you know hit Russell up in chat. We want to make this um, digestible yeah. and understandable because you know dots aren't necessarily helpful unless it's taken in context. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's one thing. I know we can't see who the whales are or their motivation, but sometimes you can you know, you know track the the uh, the waves they make. So yeah, and I I will say one of the great things about having worked at SIBO when I worked at SIBO, my office was physically above the uh, physically above the VIX pit. And if a really big trade hit, I could, I would actually hear it before it even hit the tape. Oh my God. That's hysterical. It was, uh, it, so, and I had, and, and those guys were wonderful. One, they knew that I was trying to yeah. promote people trading their instrument. So they were always, um, they were always wonderful as far as giving me some insight. They weren't telling me who was trading, yeah. but if I had any doubt as to whether, uh, it was a bullish trade or a bearish trade. They were they were always willing to be very forthcoming. Where were you during Volmageddon? Uh, where was I during Volmageddon? Did, did the um, floor shake? The floor didn't shake. I was ev I was out of the country. Ugh. And every volatility event that ever occurred when I worked on at vacation, Cibo, <laughs> I was not in the office. Like I like the first one was the flash crash. I was um, I was on a stage in Atlanta talking about trading VIX and stuff, and like half the room got up and walked out while I was talking because the flash crash was going on. Was that May uh, of 2015 you're referring to? Which, 10, which, 10. Which, oh, to 10, 10, 10, okay. 10, yeah. Which flash crash. <laughs> uh, the, the, the one with supposedly the guy in Kansas City trying to sell he, too many futures. Peter, this is very fun. A client's asking, when's your next trip overseas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always tell people that. When am I? I will be out of, I will be out of the country the second week of June. Lucky you. There you go. That's probably when the trade we're talking about right now will work out. There, <laughs> I'm writing this down. Second week of June. We're absolutely going to timestamp that one, Peter. <laughs> So, All right. So, um, but we were talking about just um, what's been going on with Russell 2000 options, and almost all of the time, 
broad-based index options, the, the, the implied volatility levels will be driven by put activity. More puts than calls generally trade. The, put, the average put call ratio for the S&P 500 is around 1.75, which means almost twice as many puts trade as calls. And it's very rare that we, that we could really say with certainty that higher implied volatility in an index option product is being driven by call trading. But it was, it was driven this year by kind of a fear of missing out with the Russell 2000 um, complex, where we did see people buying out of the money calls because small caps kept outperforming an awful lot. And the way that this is holding up right here, this is ever since the, uh, the market started to fall apart with, um, with the COVID situation. You can see with the Russell 2000, the, the, the call divided by put, which is high when the calls are relatively expensive relative to puts on this chart, uh, it's very, uh, it looks different than the S&P 500. And that really is because we were seeing uh, continuous buying of out of the money Russell 2000 calls. And that kept RVX, which is basically the VIX of the Russell 2000, elevated for a good portion of this year relative to um, VIX. But um, I, I updated this, and I'm not sure where my update to this one is. But in my update, the uh, it, for the the average five uh, percent out of the money call versus divided by out of the money put skew for April is down where I'm putting the little red dot now. So it started to fall off. The Russell 2000 has come off, and uh, people aren't buying calls expecting a rebound. So. You could probably read into that, that the outperformance that we got from the Russell 2000 that started this year, it's probably not going to be a continuous trend for the rest of the year. And I know that the gap's already closed, uh, but option traders aren't expecting uh, a resumption of that trend, at least from the, from the trading activity that we're seeing. How about bonds? Bonds, you, you're you're talking about a very weak area for me right now. That's well, not, it's also not it's, the best. The ETFs are not the best, um, you know, credit markets to follow. They're right. just it's, surrogates. It's very, very difficult um, to, to get an idea from implied volatility, what people are thinking about in the fixed income area. And I think that just may be because it's such a fragmented market. And if you're really concerned about, you know, if, you, if, if you've got a high yield portfolio and you're really concerned about it, um, you're not necessarily going to trade options on bonds. In fact, there's a really good chance that the trade that we first started talking about here is a trade that, um, that, that might be hedging a high yield bond portfolio. All right. and, I know, and I know for a fact that um, one of the, the, the big trades that used to get rolled over and over again that doesn't show up anymore, it definitely was a high yield bond manager. Okay, so that's a very different structure where they're just trying to kind of tail risk aversion, you know, for any, any major blow up versus alpha or the, or the like. So it's very right. different. What right. about factor rotation, that, that lovely growth to value, value to growth, where people just chase momentum or they go into, you know, the safety plays. How do you track that in your market structure? Well, I definitely keep an eye, again, we'll go back to what's in front of us right now. Uh, the Russell 2000 has a lot more of a um, value, value, Component to it than a growth component to it. 
even though it's smaller capitalization stocks. There's just a lot more value stocks in there than growth stocks right now. So the if, if you're trying to get an idea as far as the, the rotations go, you don't really have a good derivative market or a good option market on a growth index or on a value index. Uh, but you do on the Russell 2000, you do on the S&P 500, and you do on the NASDAQ 100. So looking Wait, at how- You said there isn't a really good ETF to track momentum. So you No, there's a not really good option market, option market. On, okay. on a growth or a value. But um, I, I was thinking to myself, ARC, and you know that whole, uh, I don't know, boat <laughs> well, I, of, of, of momentum um, and mm -hmm. specifically assets under management. And it is optionable. It may not be as big, but I'm curious if you've seen that grow in the option side. I There has been an increase in um, option activity on that one for sure. Yeah. Um, it, it seems to be uh, bi-directional where there are people that are bearish and there are people that are bullish on it. Uh, not, 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 not like you would expect most of the activity to be like it is puts on the S&P 500 or Russell 2000 or NASDAQ. Uh, there's a lot of, I think the next leg's going up or I think the next leg is going down. So there hasn't been, um, there hasn't been much of a read on that one other than the implied volatility has been extremely high. Okay. Um, That's and it's been really, it's been really, um, the one funny thing about it is uh, if you look at the implied volatility or the volatility expectations on ARC versus some of the individual holdings, um, it's actually uh, been relatively high relative to the individual holdings as well. And I just wonder if that's because they're actively trading in and out of things every day. And we know that they are. Yeah. And they, I mean, they, they have to share that. Uh, in a, I'm teaching a, um, a, a structured finance class at Loyola, and um, I gave the students three choices of uh, creating a dispersion trade. It was ARC and the top members of ARC, uh, the XLE and the top members of the XLE or top members of the XLF and the XLF. Uh, out of 27 students, like 23 chose ARC. Of course. Uh, which was the hardest one to do. It had the most moving parts to it. Um, but there's a, it, there, the volatility is all over the place on that one. Okay. Speaking yep. of, um, I have to share this chart with you because okay. I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, I'm going to just grab it. We can always go back. I'm all right. There. So there this is from a my I, I have risk indicators, algorithmic trading signals on VigTech, and they mm -hmm. have a new product out, Options Matrix. And the reason I bring this up is because this and it's real time. It's the fastest. They're getting it direct, and it's absolutely nanoseconds. It's not delayed, nothing. But this is an aggregate kind of bubble chart of today's activity, and SPX obviously is is a little bit red, um, and Tesla is a little bit green. Usually, Tesla's like big. And then everything else around it is very, very small. <laughs> By the way, this is this is the, the Russell. <laughs> so I'm just curious, have you also noted that Tesla has taken over the world as it relates to option flow has been very, very large. Today's actually mm -hmm. a small day for Tesla. 
Really? I'm surprised because they yes. uh, they do report next week after the close. Yep. This is a small um, day for Tesla. It is usually, I mean, what I mean small, I'm talking about relative to others. It actually mm -hmm. has, you know, it, it's usually very large. It, it mm -hmm. swamps the others as far as, um, you know, value. Is this the notional value of the options that have traded? This is aggregate. Oh, God, I got to get my glasses on that little thing. Sorry, yellow actor. I'm going to can you see that? You're good. Uh, barely. Yeah, huh? I gotta make it bigger. So now that, that I, I'm just uh, because yeah. you know, SPY normally trades more contracts, but SPX normally does more in notional value. So, um, bearish. So we're bearish on SPX and we're bullish on Tesla today, as far as option activity goes. Yep. Oh, that's kind of cool. Isn't that kind of cool? So, I mean, I could show it in the tree, but the point is that was, this is something I was curious if you also see um, the amount of activity that's, that happens, especially in Tesla. Uh, not necessarily. You know, my background is so uh, VIX and S&P 500 and Russell 2000 that I don't, I don't look at individual options as, as much as I normally would. Uh, I do when we get close to earnings. So I have started looking at, uh, Tesla, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, Qualcomm. Uh, who else reports next week? Amazon, Apple. Are you kidding? They all Ooh, report next the week. The big tech, the big five tech, Google, yeah. Amazon, the whole, the, the Apple. Like this is. Let's get out of that. Let's just like yeah. get it behind us. <laughs> Move on. All yeah. Right. I'm showing you something that's a little bit different, but it reminded me that the um, your three month, which is a little bit different, VXV. Uh, mm -hmm. On stock twits. <laughs> I mean, on stock charts. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one thing that I like to do is kind of see where it's coming back down into backwardation because mm -hmm. obviously that's risk off. We And then I like to put little patterns on it, but we're definitely kind of intonating higher here. When mm -hmm. you are looking at backwardation contango, share with me what do you look for because that's a tailwind, headwind kind mm -hmm. of scenario. Well, what I actually, um, what, the three month versus the one month, I think is a great indicator. And it's a great indicator partially because it's real easy to get. Um, I also know through doing a lot of work on what is volatile, what is what are the different indices telling us? Uh, the three month index is a really good leading indicator relative to where, where VIX is going to go. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, part of it's that it's looking at a time frame that's further out. But if there are real concerns within the equity markets, uh, you'll have big players that are going to look to put protection on for two, three, four months out. And that will show up in VXV more than it shows up in uh, the traditional old school VIX. That's why I, I also like to chart it. I and, really like to chart it. Yep. Yeah, they, they work. And Larry McMillan, um, who is, you know, like a grand poobah of a lot of things, he really was the first one that started doing great work with uh, VXV or the three-month VIX versus VIX. 100% where I got it. Yeah. So I <laughs> stuck with me for years. I just think it's, it is a fabulous tell. But I then, mm -hmm. you know, kind of overlay some pattern recognition stuff to it as well. But, um, but yeah, but to, to that whole, keep going, because I really like the, the, um, it's too late once it goes in contango like i'm talking yeah. about <laughs> it it kind of is but you I can mean, tell when we're approaching this sorry mm -hmm. um the, the the thing that i um in this this takes a lot of work and i haven't updated it in a couple of months but um i actually created what i referred and i'm not a marketing person but i refer to this as the modified vix future 
which is really a consistent 30-day future using the front two-month futures. And it's kind of... Can you show uh, it? Um, it's kind of, let me, I can probably find an old one. Um, if you bear with me a second, yeah, yeah. I do. And I searched the term modified, um, modified VIX future. Um, so I can share it. No problem. Let me find a, a chart that shows it over the long term. I was, I found a file where I was updating it. Um, well, first off, I'll show a table real quick, and then I'm going to search around my computer again. So this is a table that the um, I'm showing. You're seeing a table with month average VIX, correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah, this is where this is where I take you know the the percent days in backwardation, and until recently, uh, April was the really quiet month. It really was as far as how often we were in backwardation using yep, again true. that that modified VIX future or that 30-day VIX future versus the spot index. And of course- That uh, matches seasonality though perfectly. It does, it, it totally does. Um, and I thought, I honestly thought I had a chart somewhere of this that really shows it well. Maybe there's, ah, there we go. How's that? There you go. So oh, this beautiful. is this is the monthly chart and the blue line. And of course it, it like I said, it hasn't been updated. But the blue line shows um, spot VIX, and the red line is basically that modified VIX future. Yep. And it, it gives you a consistent figure to compare against VIX, because um, if we've got three days left to the front month expiring, uh, the relationship between the two doesn't really tell you a whole lot. If, if, if in the last 30 seconds, come, somebody came in and did a sell order in the VIX future, it may push it down you know, 10 cents and all of a sudden you could say we're in some weird backwardation quantitatively, but uh, we're really not uh, because the, the, that's just market noise getting in there. So I like to, uh, you know, take a look at, and this is the average premium over time of that modified DEX future relative to the index. I look at that as well, uh, which is almost always a positive number. So when it gets really extended, uh, sometimes that can that, that's a good signal that you probably are, are open to doing some sort of short VIX trade, which my favorite is is just buying some puts that that'll pay off if the future drifts uh, drifts back down to the uh, spot index. How far out do you usually? Uh, no more buy? than no more than uh, two or three weeks. It really depends on um, how far out uh, the next expiration is. Uh, I did go early buying some puts in April just because the spread was really wide and it looked like things were starting to calm down. And um, I did, even though it's, I say two to three weeks, uh, I uh, there, there's about a two plus point premium for the May future versus the index right now. And I did buy some 30 strike uh, Mavix puts today that um, that would pay off uh, very little if VIX moved lower. Uh, when we get within a week or so of May expiration, uh, what I'll start doing is selling at the money puts uh, that have the most time value. Just to I, take a little bit more in relative to the put that I purchased. I'm laughing because I am looking at my VXV chart that I just showed you that three month when you said Mc, Mc, um, McMillan. And I have a uh -huh. note in here from the original, like when I started doing this intermarket, you know, work years and years and years ago. And it says, 
and when VIX is less than $10 and VXO is less than $10 short the market. When's the last time VIX has been 10? <laughs> it's been a while. But <laughs> That's um a cheat that obviously dates me. <laughs> that um I think that was a good rule of thumb until we just hovered in the 910 range for no a long kidding. period of time. And it says never buy VX. Oh no, it's too funny. I've got like little little notes next to it. And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, that's got to come out. <laughs> Does not apply anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So. so then you have um, what else? What else? What else do you see? What do you What do you track as it relates to knowing, uh, like I guess, protecting if you're wanting to add a hedge? Do you always, by the way, have a hedge, or are you just trading volatility as your tool? Of um, like some people trade Apple. <laughs> I will, um, I'll typically have short volatility positions on. And when I have short volatility positions on, I do not short the future because you, I mean, we've seen what can happen with the future. If you, you know, if something can happen overnight, we wake up and I'm looking for a new place to live. Uh, it, <laughs> no, really, it's, uh, yeah. it, it, it can, it can end very, very, very badly. So I, I like to buy put options that have, and what I'm looking for is I'm looking for uh, my VIX lesson for my derivatives class at Loyola, uh, because I, I run through this um, very, and they, they did such an awful job on VIX this last time around. I'm so mad at my derivatives class. I'm like, <laughs> come on, if you're, if you're gonna pay attention to one topic, for God's sakes, pay attention to me talking about VIX. <laughs> All right. Um, well, at the same time, it hasn't really been as exciting since, you know, the February, mm -hmm. March, actually not really since 2018. Right. So right. Um, what happened, by the way, this this oh. really changed. Obviously, many firms were taken out in body bags back in that fateful February 2018. But I'm curious mm -hmm. that the structure of the market, did you know it was going to become so popular to short aggressively and become like no. an absolute strategy du jour that lasted for years? No, in fact, um, the first time that uh, everybody piled into the short VIX trade, um, gosh, I wanna say it was 2011, 2012, something like that. And we, and it's because the year before, uh, you look at the Barron's tables and all the top ETFs were SVXY and, uh, XIV and, and those guys, uh, and you saw a huge money flow into them. And then something happened over a weekend. It wasn't the Balmageddon thing, it was earlier, but something happened over a weekend where uh, we came in, we had a spike in VIX, and a bunch of people lost 20 or 30% on these funds that um, you know they thought were just gonna eat profits out through the whole year, and a ton of money flowed out. Um, I. I as far as the ETFs go, uh, I think people have been permanently scared away from those. Although there is a new one coming out that's going to somewhat replicate what XIV did and what SVXY, which is now just half of what it used to be. Is this the did. Bassman one or associated? What? Is this the one with um, uh, Bassman? Uh, I can't. I, it's the ticker's SVXY. Oh. I don't know if that's a different one. That I think that's a no, different one. No, we still one. have that. Uh, no, no, no. It's SVIX. Sorry. Okay, SVIX. Okay. Yeah, that I, one's, 
that one's going through the approval process. But um, that one's got some risk controls in it. So it, the, the XIV situation hopefully will not repeat itself. Um, but I, I think ever since Volmageddon, uh, it scared retail away. But what we've seen on the other side is um, institutional actually got smarter about being short volatility. And what we used to see was when we would get a volatility spike, you can use the commitment of traders report mm -hmm. to uh, see where speculative money is positioned relative to um, speculative money is relative to uh, their you know longs versus shorts mm -hmm. in the VIX space. And I'm going to pull yeah, up. It doesn't have I good labels, that. but I'm going to show you. I yes, SVX. Somebody just asked if it was Stuart Barton's. Yes, that's Stuart Barton's um, fund. So this is the this is a couple of side by side charts here of the. Um, this is Volmageddon. This is 2018, and what we're seeing here in 2018 is um, when we had Volmageddon the speculative money went net whenever this line is under this zero percent that means that they've gone net long i know that's counterintuitive but we're okay. short most of the time so mm -hmm. i can see uh, you know if there if there were um you know there were 20 percent more short positions than long positions and with balmageddon all of a sudden everybody's getting run over everybody runs out and then slowly but surely we go back to everybody staying, you know, net short. And then it started to come back down. But here is here is the beginning of COVID, which was a more violent move to the upside and probably hurt more short volatility people than this one did right here. But notice what happened with speculative money. They never went net long. They stuck with the trade. And in my position with EQ Derivatives, we talk to a lot of institutional managers that are consistently short volatility. Um, they, they felt like, first off, they've learned that when we get the volatility event, that really is the time to add to short volatility, not the time to get out of the way. But they've also felt like they've done a really good job talking to their institutional clients and saying, look, the, you, you, this is going to happen at some point, and that's the time that we really need to add to our positions, not the time that we need to get on the sidelines and wait for things to calm down. And I do believe that showed up in the COT data uh, when we had the COVID situation. And look at, I mean, by June, that's uh, we almost had twice we almost had twice as many short positions as long positions. All right, so that's fascinating to me because I'm thinking a risk manager would not like to hold that particular loss on the books mm -hmm. one little bit, and I have no idea, you know, what leverage is used to employ that type of of position. I, obviously, it's not a Credit Suisse where they lost, you know, mm -hmm. um, years of profit in in that Archegos blow up. But right. I'm just fascinated that that seems odd. And I <laughs> I, I, odd. I do. I do think that that another part of it, and in, in this also comes up in discussions, is um, the, the managers have been willing to leave a little bit on the table to have risk control in place, which you know goes back to that put trade that I like to do an awful lot. Where when you and when I teach this to the undergrads, I say, "What's the most? Go back to the day one on options. What's the most you can lose on an option? Yeah, you can, what you paid for it. What's the most if?" 
you know, I, I bought some, I bought some May puts on VIX, May 30 puts on VIX today. If VIX goes to 90, I'm not going to be happy about it. But if I had shorted May futures, hoping for a closing of the gap and, and VIX goes to 90, I'm going to be very upset over it. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's just a, it's a much better way and it's an appropriate way for individuals to to play the short volatility trade where they know the most that they can lose. But the IV is ridiculously high in those puts. So you still have to have, you know, you're not working, if you will, in a calm market, you, you don't even get the, the theta decay. That's a little bit interesting, but you, you let me um, let me backtrack a little bit on how this this will work somewhat. Uh, and this is a time that things were spread out an awful lot. But because the VIX options are priced off of the future or the best underlying instruments, the future instead of the spot VIX, uh, these are option quotes from a day where the September future was still the second month, but it was at a three and a half point premium to VIX, probably just for seasonality purposes. Everybody's worried about September. And uh, you can see that yeah, I, I highlight what would be considered the at the money options if we were using spot VIX. And you can see that those are not priced like at the money options. The calls have such a higher premium than the put, but that looks more like an at the money option contract. But, and then I take it a step further and you can see that, you know, if you, the, if, if VIX doesn't move at all between August 12th and September expiration, any of these puts that you purchased would actually make a profit for you. So there's not the, the, the sort of time decay that you, that, that you would hope when you look at with the spot VIX. But um, when, when you think about it with respect to the future moving toward the spot as being kind of like your time decay, part of your time decay, it actually does work to your benefit an awful lot. And I often like to find something, I, I just hypothetically picked the 14 puts here to show how it would work. And this is what the payoff diagram looks with the spot VIX, which is our settlement vehicle, and the future, which is our pricing vehicle for those option contracts highlighted here. And you can just see that is, you know, VIX didn't move at all. This trade would actually make money. I did do this trade and I think VIX ended up around 1250 or so. So VIX moved up and I still made money off the put. Interesting. All right. Mm -hmm. So then moving to kind of alternative VIX um, ETFs that have become popular in the, in the past few years. Are you, mm -hmm. What's your, I'm going to just show them because I think it's easier and I'm going to okay. also post a question. All right. So one is tail, <laughs> tail risk ETF, which has uh -huh. a curl to it. And the other is risk parity. Um, I actually like using risk parity to uh, chart for purposes of identifying weakness. But I'm mm -hmm. just kind of curious. This are you familiar with it? Do you track it ever? What's your What's your thinking? What's the uh, What What's the strategy behind it? R P A R. It has uh -huh. a lot to do with that rotation, if you will, of hedge funds kind of uh, covering their shorts. To, well, it was <laughs> in value, uh -huh. and. Um, going long momentum and vice versa. So th there's that factor rotation is somehow built into this risk parity ETF. I don't have the, the the exact definition, but no, it's not on your radar. No, it's not on my radar. I was trying to pull it up while we were talking to see if uh, 
four asset classes. It basically, uh, it goes from equities, commodities, bonds, and tips, depending on what, depending on a market signal, I would assume. So do they rebalance and share their holdings every day? That's, I don't think they do. I see holdings from August 31st on their oh, wow, that's um, old. page. You know, I like the ones that have to tell us what they do every day at the end of Aww. the day. You know, we Not get to- Not all can be ARC. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. They oh, they actually, no, they actually do at the end of each day. Um, in fact, they have just, I mean, we, I've got what they, what they own today. Um, and right now they're uh, bonds, treasury bills, note, uh, Fed funds. Oh my goodness. They're, they're very defensive right now. Extremely defensive right now. But this would be uh, getting the day-to-day -day holdings and looking at how thing, how they, they're not showing the day-to-day -day changes. I guess we'd have to calculate that ourselves, but the day-to-day -day holdings, it probably gives you a really good idea as to uh, what their signal saying is coming next. Their signal says stay out of stocks, just looking at their holdings. Well, that works for me. I mean, as far as yeah. safety trades, they've been a fabulous play. And I, I call that the anti-momentum trades over the momentum trades have been beautiful swing vehicles of late. So mm -hmm. I happen to kind of like track this risk parity for a similar. If it's green, 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 the market is very aggressive momentum stocks. Okay. And it's taken a significant dip. And you can see it, right? ARC has fallen. A lot of those hyper growth and momentum plays have fallen, not the big tech. Um, we'll find out what happens next week if their earnings disappoints. But nonetheless, mm -hmm. they have fallen 20, 40% depending, and they really haven't gotten up. I'm not even talking about the speculative stuff, pot stocks, EV, SPACs. Those are in trouble, but <laughs> they're playing dead right now. Um, but the mid-tier cap for the mm -hmm. mid-cap tech, sorry. So then what do you look for? Because um, we're getting well, lots of questions. When are you leaving town? That's one. Okay. When are we going um, yeah, to 50 again for VIX? And I want to know, what do you look for for mm. that impending doom of market volatility that's more than a trade? Um, well, first off, when are we going to hit the, the next spike to above VIX? Or, or I'm sorry, to above 50. I think they happen every three to four years. So I'm going to say um, 2024. Um, I'm, I'm kind of half. I'm going to say you have that. no idea. I have no idea. But, <laughs> but okay. if, if, if you forced me to say something, I would just take a look at the, the, the pattern that we have mm -hmm. with respect to, to VIX. And they, they, those types of things tend to, seem to come every three to four years with the really big ones uh, coming every 10 to 12. And you can go way back, uh, not just 2008 and 2020. Uh, and I actually do believe, regardless of COVID or not, that... It looked the, the things were kind of lining up for a market slowdown. So I wouldn't have been surprised if we had seen VIX in the 40s and 50s without anyway, COVID. Correct. Okay. I, I, I don't think a lot of people, and I also believe that's why we ended up seeing a new all time high in VIX, was because things were already shaky and this really was happening at the very worst time. Uh, if it had happened during a growth phase, uh, maybe you know 50 instead of 80 would have occurred on the VIX. Uh, yes, the SVIX, I, I did mention before, but that is what Stuart Barton is working on. He's a great guy. And those are the questions that I saw. The other thing that I do with respect to volatility is I like to look at the skew of options on commodities. 
because the, the at times the option market will be worried about a big move up in gold or oil and at times it will be interested in or, or worried about a big move down in gold and oil uh, so i think of of all the option markets that you can try to interpret what are they telling us i think the ones on commodities are the ones that probably tell us the most as far as story-wise and give us the most indication. So I've interviewed um, yeah, a, a very, very focused oil trader in regards to looking at oil going, this is, you know, it's, we're already 18% down in XOP, mm -hmm. but I mean, it was, it ran too hot, too fast on, you know, the, the vaccine rainbow. There isn't mm -hmm. the open interest to support higher. Now that's not a macro view of higher inflation, CPI, mm -hmm. you know, higher yields dragging commodities up with it. But from an option, from a, but from a market structure and the, and the commitment of traders report, it's not there yet, right? It's just, mm -hmm. it's just, they're not serious players in the market yet for oil. So the likelihood is it drifts lower. Again, that's one theory. Right now we're just in chop zone. But you do mm -hmm. look at that very, very often. I'm curious what mm -hmm. you see. Not, I already, I, like I said, the oil is one thing for gold um, because it has not been serving as a hedge nor mm -hmm. have, have bonds, but it particularly, what do you see in regards to gold? Well, I'm sorry, I was just gonna, I, I pulled up a real quick picture to show what I was talking about. This is okay. oil when it was working its way higher. Mm -hmm. And you can see, I mean, this almost looks like a skew chart for stocks, but this is for crude oil. Um, mm -hmm. As far as the gold market, I haven't, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm digging, digging, digging for gold skew. Uh, it's really not told us a whole lot lately. And I think we've been stuck in a range as well. Um, but I've seen it, you know, give us an indication. This is a relatively old one. Um, I've seen it give us an indication that we're worried. This was actually before gold took off to the upside one time. Uh, you can see that people are paying up for call options and not put options. And if you combine... up for call oh, options. Th this now. was... This was a while back. Oh, it's 2019. Was a, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, just as an, an example of you know what I'll be looking at, um, the they would be paying up for call options versus put options here. Uh, what's interesting is when you combine these sorts of skew charts with supporter resistance, uh, you can start to get an idea as to whether. Uh, if you're right at resistance and the call is, and I'm looking, I can see on your screen right now that it I looks like- I want to show like you it, this screen. That, yeah. Show that one. Because if we're at resistance for oil, that's oil, isn't it? No, it is not. I was going to say, guess this chart. That's lumber. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's lumber. That's lumber. And that's that's the, but that's the term structure of lumber, lumber right? Yeah, it's- okay. uh, it's, yeah, we, yeah. we've, we got no wood right now. <laughs> I that's saw really, <laughs> I, I know I, that's my question. Like, I know you're yeah. not probably looking at lumber futures, but, um, I am definitely interested in gold. It's a bigger, you know, asset mm -hmm. class and it has been absent, just absent. I haven't seen much going on there. It's mm -hmm. not serving as a hedge commodities. Other commodities are. Um, but yeah, this, what do you, what is translate this particular chart for the uninitiated? <laughs> okay. Well, what, the, what this is, this is the, the term structure of, um, and, and, uh, this is just like a, a VIX chart where the spot or the near month future is at a big old premium relative to the farther out futures. And 
what this is telling you is that spot lumber is expensive right now. And, and it's not a market that everybody in the world pays attention to, uh, but it, it has been in the news among us that pay attention to the markets an awful lot. This is telling you that uh, they're going to start cutting down a lot more trees and the price of lumber is going to come in over the next few months. At least that's what's being expected uh, by the futures market. And uh, just to do a little groundwork on is lumber really in shortage? Uh, I went to the Home Depot and that area, those three aisles where they've got a lot of wood, it's kind of empty right now. And then I went on their website and you know how when there's a really hot um, new gaming system or something at Best Buy, it'll be on back order. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the different types of lumber are on back order, or you've got or, or have like a seven day wait till it's going to show up at the store. I, I have I yes, and it's not just um, relegated to lumber. I saw mm -hmm. that insurance premiums for homes are actually going up one oh, like in imagine. the twenty percent range because if something was to happen to your home and it had to be replaced, <laughs> that inflation rider mm -hmm. just got triggered. And yeah, this is mm -hmm. widespread. Oh, I didn't mean to keep sharing that. What I wanted to share mm -hmm. was something else, which was, okay, do you ever do any ratio stuff? I know you're a purist, you're looking at the, the markets and your skew, um, but like- Like markets versus each other or yeah yeah correlation oh yeah emergences that kind of stuff what are oh some of your absolutely and and one of them is i'll look at the russell 2000 volatility versus um the s p 500 volatility it can give you an idea of concerns with respect to uh domestic the domestic u.s economy versus the global economy because uh, the S&P 500, even though it's all a bunch of U.S. stocks, well over half their sales come from outside of the U.S. And therefore, it really is a global index. And you could almost think of VIX as being a global volatility indicator as well. Uh, whereas the Russell 2000, they're all smaller stocks. The majority of their sales come from the domestic U.S. So the relationship between those two, as far as looking forward, pops up an awful lot. Uh, usually it's concerns, and that's why I've been digging farther into what's going on in Russell 2000 option trading, and it, and it being driven by the call side as, a, as opposed to the put side. Uh, what may be interesting is we may see, and that spread has been at historically wide levels for a good portion of 2021. It came in with the crush on the call side, but it started to widen back out, which makes me think that it's widening back out because of put activity now. So it 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 didn't do exactly what you would want it to, to do without looking at it in context. It's telling you a story, but now I think it's actually saying to be more concerned about uh, small caps versus large caps, at least for the next few months. Okay. So I ratio those out. I do that with the NASDAQ versus the S&P 500 as well. Um, but one of the issues with the, the NDX option implied volatility and using it that way is there is an earning seasonality in it mm. because it's driven by just a handful of stocks. So NASDAQ implied volatility is going to be elevated for the next few days until we get through all of those big stocks reporting that we talked yeah. about earlier. 
Yep, the five big tech, yeah. and they make the weather, so that's that's why it's elevated. Uh, this might be a, a ghost print on this particular charting platform, but what is your VXEEM read right now? Um, that <laughs> um, that's a first off. I can tell you that that's definitely um, a bad tick. Okay. That's um, what in in what will happen um, is is you know it's a strip of options that feed into the VIX calculation or any of these calculations. If somebody comes in and does like a, a big trade, trading several options at once, and the, market make, and the market makers spread the bid and the offer out for a second, yep. and it catches the quote at that moment, what happens is because VIX is calculated using a midpoint of the option quotes, that you're getting this big outlier option price that feeds into uh, VXEEM. Uh, I've looked at VXEEM relative to VIX, and that's another one that that has given a really good signal as to when things are all clear for emerging market stocks relative to um, developed market stocks. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what about also on the NASDAQ volatility side, VXN versus VOLQ? Um, VOLQ is, is um, it, it uses a slightly different calculation. And I actually, for signal purposes, I like VOLQ because it's using a small number of at-the-money option contracts. And I feel like at-the-money option contracts give you a good idea, really, of what the market's thinking over the short term. Uh, because when you start looking at out-of-the-money put options and somebody decides to put a hedge on... Uh, buying 10% out of the money uh, SPX puts. That'll drive VIX up some, but it might not really reflect anything more than somebody just is putting on a just-in-case trade. When you're trading at the money option contracts or near at the money option contracts, you really do have more of a short-term focus as to what you're thinking. So I do think VOLQ does a better job in that at the money implied volatility does a better job of uh, giving you an idea of what the market's thinking. But it's VOLQ is actually more sensitive to earnings than VXN. So you have to weigh those two things out as well. All right. Awesome. All right. So any, I guess the last question is, you know, what's your go-to to kind of foresee volatility coming in? And I think you mentioned your, your skew. Um, but what else? I, I mentioned mine. You, uh, you went and at the beginning when I said, what do you look for for a spike in volatility? You're... Mm -hmm. Oh, most definitely. Um, you've really got to watch closely, but a lot of the volatility spikes that we've seen tend to occur after that, when that inverse relationship between the S&P 500 and, and VIX is starting to break down. Uh, the, the, the really interesting case was right before Volmageddon, um, the VIX and the S&P 500 basically had a positive relationship over the six weeks. I was weeks just about to leading say. Leading up to that. Yep. Um, VIX, That's SPX what I watch. I look at the and, stock bond volatility ratio be because that is typically where the trouble starts to present. <laughs> and, and they, uh, let me see if I've got so many different, here it is. Look at that. I, it's it's amazing that I can just find these things. I've never thrown <laughs> anything away. But if you look at this, and this is a good, good. So this is the S&P 500 and VIX <laughs> in January of 2018. Mm -hmm. And they're moving together. 
and they're moving together to the point where when I was at SIBO, um, they would often bring me in to talk to reporters when they were asking questions about VIX. And we were getting daily questions. Is VIX broke? What It's not doing what it's supposed to do. It's not going down. You know, it's not going down with the S&P 500 going up. Well, right after this, we saw that. Yeah. And it, it it's like, oh, and much like criticizing somebody's trades like I did an hour ago, um, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking with the S&P 500 versus VIX and going, oh, that's, uh, you know, that's no wonder it was going up at the same time. And then the other thing is when the s when after we have one of these drops, if the S&P 500 makes a new low and VIX doesn't make a new high, uh, we have seen that pattern repeat itself on one minute charts, five minute charts, overnight charts. This pattern is often been a really good uh, all is clear to buy stocks indicator. So say that again, just because that's a great one to end. We'll on. see, yeah, see where see where the S and P five hundred. This is this is the bomb again, and then the S and P five hundred a few days later did make a new low, but VIX did not make a new high. Um, it yeah, really did. Conscience. It it's a good confirmation that maybe it's okay to buy stocks once again. Do you compare bonds and uh, stocks? Not very much because it, it depends on the environment as to whether uh, bonds are a safe haven or not and what may hit stocks. I, I would not be looking at bonds relative to stocks right now because um, I think the bond market is most concerned with inflation. Mm -hmm, and that, that the impact of inflation probably wouldn't be positive for either. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't think the relationship between the two would tell you a whole lot right now. Uh, in a more normal interest rate environment, maybe we could go back to that. Well, I will end on that note as something Thanks. that I do watch and I want to just put out there for anyone who has hung out long enough here to the end, which impresses me greatly. This mm -hmm. is actually a stock bond um, ratio that I like to track. And this is obviously from the uh, COVID spike. Again, it's a ratio 10 year and UST, which is um, mm -hmm. right now coiling pretty strongly. And when it typically does this, it fires higher. So I do like to take a look at stock bond volatility um, combined. I've kind of overlaid volatility on top as well. But this is this is my little uh, intermarket analysis that I have seen over the years has worked really well in timing some VIX spikes. But that's, mm -hmm. that's again, what we get used to, what we get very familiar with, and then we mm -hmm. have a relationship with it. We know how it behaves. <laughs> That's mine. Oh, I'm so fantastic. pleased that you oh. joined in, and I know that you got lots going on. And uh, tell us where we can find you because you do have um, a day job and also your teaching <laughs> and also a YouTube channel. So where yeah. can we find you? Um, well, eqderivatives.com is is my home. Okay. Um, there's a research section to the site that anything that I write is in front of the paywall, and we're still uh, you know we're still tweaking the research part of the site. And um, I do twice weekly videos for YouTube. I was doing Tuesday, Thursday. I'm switching to Tuesday, Friday because I'm going to start making Friday more of a um, re or a, a look forward to the following week. Oh, brilliant! And and try to get a little bit more attention on the weekends. All right. Sure. So this is where we, plus you have your um, YouTube channel. And speaking yep. of YouTube, when we're done, I'm going to be posting this here, Macro to Micro Power Hour, under my website um, and also YouTube, Leduc Chat, Leduc mm -hmm. Trading. Um, right. I am thrilled to have finally 
met you after all these years. Thank you for the it's insight. It's my pleasure. And the education. And uh, good luck with Thank everything you. you're working on right now. Yeah. She she knows a secret. Can you guys tell? <laughs> all right. I'm going to go and, talk to this next person. All right. I'll your let next you know. person. Go, go, go. All right. <laughs> okay. Thank you for joining. All right. Have a great night. And please, <laughs> if you like it, say hi and all that jazz. I want to keep adding value to this stream. I appreciate your Absolutely. time. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Thanks so a much. lot. Bye.